hello and thank you for joining us here on the Growth Medium podcast. My name is Sarah and I'm a first year medic here in the UK and I'm also co-host to the Growth Medium. And my name is Mem, also a co-host on the Growth Medium podcast. I'm a third year biochemistry student and a blogger on bimem.com. Just to give you a little insight about who we are, we bust myths in science and health by talking to the experts and sprinkling a little bit of controversy in there. I guess you could call us the myth busters. Severe eye roll. Anyway, we use evidence-based research as our weapons of choice. And don't forget, this season, we're overlapping culture with science. Absolutely. And to be part of all of this, all you have to do is join us every Monday as we learn more and grow our mindsets together. Enjoy and let's get on to the episode. Hello and welcome back to The Growth Medium. I hope you're all well and ready for what we're about to hit you with today. What what an enthusiastic introduction, Sarah, but honestly, I couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you, Mim. So today, as I'm sure you've gathered by the title of this episode, um, Mim and I want to actually discuss the topic of alternative medicines. Now, I feel like a lot of people turn to this when perhaps they feel like they've run out of options with conventional and traditional medicine so they turned they turned to alternative medication and then you have the type of people who are kind of just pretty much against conventional medicine or western medicine whatever you want to call it and they pretty much have uh everything like they hate everything about it and honestly i've got some of those (laughs) types of people in my life so But yeah, when we're talking about alternative medicine, um, we're talking about a lot of different practices and a lot of different um, traditions, I guess, as well, because a lot of alternative medicine comes from different cultures, right? Yeah. And in the UK, the proper term that they kind of use for medical practices outside of uh, conventional NHS um, and Western medicine is CAMS. And that actually stands for Complementary and Alternative Medicines. And what that essentially means, they call it complementary because the NHS can actually use some of these practices in conjunction with conventional treatment. And that's not something I actually knew. Um, I didn't know that they would use um, alternative, quote unquote, alternative medicine in actual treatment, but that's quite cool. And so there are some practices like chiropractic chiropractory. Oh my God, I can't say the word. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a weird word, isn't it? chiropractic chiropractic (laughs) and osteopathic medicine those practices might be used in uh, conjunction with your normal treatment but there's other things like herbal medication uh, supplementation essential oils we know who's using essential oils to treat the vaccine here Uh, no sorry to treat the vaccine (laughs) instead of the vaccine herbalife moms we see you out there oh my days well no because some (laughs) such shade (laughs) some some people think that essential oils is what's gonna treat everything wrong with them and we'll touch on that a little bit maybe but essentially there's nothing to touch on because there's no evidence so that that's the tldr yeah yeah 
Yeah, there's not enough evidence for it. And honestly, they're so concentrated. If you lather mm-hmm. yourself in essential oils, you'll probably end up with a re- allergic reaction because... No, the idea is that you're supposed to tap the essential oils on specific parts of your body. So um, on your wrists, I think on your... Um, like basically your pulse points and that's supposed to help you. Sometimes on your forehead in between your eyebrows and stuff. I have no idea why I know this. <laughs> <laughs> But I've just like come across it, I think, uh, probably on Instagram or something like, you know, when you're scrolling and you just you get those reels or something. And yeah, just it's it's interesting. I mean, I have like everything we've discussed before. I have given it a go before. (laughs) Not necessarily placing essential oils on your pulse points, but I have tried to treat um, to help my acne with um, tree 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 oil. Um, Yeah. But that's got research behind it. The only thing about that is you can't use it in its concentrated form, right? Yeah, like that's, just out that's of the what bottle. I did, Mim. So let's not... <laughs> okay, no, let me be honest. Let me be honest. I do that as well. But they say you're not supposed to do that because it's supposed to... It makes your skin sensitive, yeah, right? Yeah, it gives you like sun, allergic sun, reactions sun, and stuff. It might give you allergic... Mm. Yeah, but it's the only thing that works for me. Oh, it never worked so, for me. It just, um, it just made but, it worse. It exacerbated the situation. Really? Yeah. It was not good. Oh. <laughs> Okie doke. But okay. Back on track, Let's guys. Let's actually get onto that. Episode. Yeah. <laughs> All right, then. So, yeah, you get the idea. Um, I think to get to grips with the whole overview, it's a very complicated kind of picture here. Obviously, when you're re- researching into quote-unquote alternative medicine, there's a lot of different types of of alternative medicines that you have to research and then you have to look at them individually and separately. So that's kind of what we're going to do here today. Um, Obviously, Mm -hmm. we're not going to cover them all because we don't have the time. Um, But there is one, I guess we'll just start with the ones that are used uh, sometimes in conjunction with conventional medicine. And those are the ones that Mim mentioned, chiropractic practices and osteopathic practices so these two you could possibly and i say possibly because it depends on your location availability etc etc of your area you could possibly get referred to it in the nhs to help with treating chronic back pain and among other things as well so chronic back pain joint pains sciatica you get the idea (laughs) so i guess when we talk about osteopathic and chiropractic oh my god I can't say the word still (laughs) okay so I guess when we talk about osteopathic and chiropractic practices we're kind of referring to practices that you know manipulate the um yeah spinal manipulation therapy um I mean there's like research into these types of uh therapies and they use kind of techniques that are used by chiropractors and osteopathy professionals and includes some physiotherapy as well and I know that physiotherapy is something that quite um is used quite a lot when it comes to uh joint pain and that type of thing so let's go into some of the like specific practices then of let's start off with the chiropractic practices because honestly I want to get rid of saying that word quickly um But essentially what this is, is a chiropractor kind of manipulates your joints and musculoskeletal system. Um, And it kind of includes massages, exercise techniques and other, yeah, other types of therapies as well. Yeah. And you know how I remember this? 
these videos that you see online mm-hmm. um that's what i imagine in mind when you talk about these kind of practices so have you ever wanted to try it before yes i'm 22 so i'm quite fairly young i don't feel it but my back screams 80 so <laughs> i wanted to try chiropractic what's the word i wanted to go to a chiropractor but um you know how you see those videos on instagram and i don't know like mm-hmm. it just i don't know it makes me feel weird and then i've heard of stories like really really bad stories of what happens if your chiropractor gets it wrong and i was like okay we'll find other ways to deal with this back then <laughs> well i mean like that isn't the main way to treat it so maybe give other other ways a go before you get into into chiropractic chiropractic practices yes the word is is difficult to pronounce (laughs) all right then so yeah basically for people who are managing chronic lower back pain um they would probably explore chiropractic as a therapy to improve their functional ability because when your pain your back's in so much pain and agony all the time um, it's natural to t- want to try and relieve that pain and to look into different avenues of treatment that you can use. Yeah. Um. So the so nice the nice you know the board stands for the National Institute of Health and Care Excellence. So this organization um basically provided some guidelines on how to manage mm-hmm. chronic lower back pain uh, and all sorts of different pains. So. What they said on this situation, and I quote, consider manual manipulation, i.e. spinal manipulation, mobilization or soft tissue techniques such as massage for managing low back pain with or without sciatica, um, but only as a part of a treatment package, including exercise with or without psychological therapy. I have a quick question. So I guess that... mm, What is sciatica? This is basically... Um, when you have pain at in your semming from the pressing of a nerve oh. and it tends to run from the spine and it tends to run down to the leg mm-hmm. um it is yeah my grandma has it oh okay it's quite bad yeah it's the irritation of the nerve okay um okay so um yeah so that brings us nicely onto a study that was carried out here in the uk in both an NHS and private setting. These participants, so participants were bought bought in with back pain and they were divided into different groups that took part of certain programs. So either it was an exercise program or a manipulation program. um, So which involved a whole bunch of techniques, including chiropractic, osteopathy and physiotherapy, or they were uh, enrolled in a program where it used a combination of exercise and manipulation and so basically after reading through the whole the very very long document um they concluded that there was a small improvement in these participants so they did it over a time frame of three months and then 12 months there was a small a very very slight improvement um in these participants who especially who were doing the combination of exercise and manipulation program um so they were able to perform more or their functional skills and abilities were widened mm-hmm. um, and improved. Are there any other studies and what have they said? Yeah, there was a systemic review 
that took into consideration around 26 uh, randomized control trials um, that assessed the effects of spinal manipulation therapy on chronic lower back pain, again, the same condition. Oh, and for those of you who don't know what a randomized control trial is, it's basically, um, you can kind of have like two different types. So there's a single blind trial and a double blind. And essentially what it is, is uh, you'll generally have a control group and a non-control group, which is what the thing you're testing for. And in a single blind trial, the uh, actual participants won't know which group they're in, but the researchers will. And in a double group, a double blind trial, none of them will know which um, which group is which or who's in which group. And that's just try to kind of eliminate the biases and make sure mm-hmm. um, that the dec- uh, data or the data that they get is as accurate and reliable as possible. Nicely put. Thanks, Mim. So, uh, yeah, what they concluded having gone through these trials was that there was actually very little difference between the effectiveness of the spinal manipulation therapy and other therapies that are commonly used to treat chronic lower back pain such as exercises and and other methods used in like general or normal practice it's actually interesting because i mean when i think about it right when i think of like lower back pain pain in particular the first thing that comes to my mind is like oh yeah just stretch (laughs) I don't know how bad that is but yeah just you know use uh, do a lot of stretching do a lot of yoga that type of thing and when I think of like chiropractic practices or osteopathy it's not something that I would assume like I would assume that it works in certain situations but it's not something that I would think of as like conventional treatment as we've Mm -hmm. talked about a little bit so yeah um yeah it's quite interesting so I think an important question that we should be asking ourselves is should these um cams essentially be part of conventional medicine here in the uk what do you think um i think that's a very controversial question and i think you should go ahead on this (laughs) because you love your controversy don't you (laughs) so i mean here's the thing right i think like I mentioned earlier in the episode, a lot of alternative medicine practices come from different cultures. So, for example, herbal medicine has a lot of Chinese roots. Um, but, like, I, I don't know what I feel about it, honestly, because with something like chiropractic practices and osteopathy, that makes sense to kind of use in alignment with conventional medicine because it's regulated, it can be overseen by a doctor. But what I think I do have a problem with is when you have a lot of misinformation, particularly on, you know, those parent group chats on WhatsApp or those Facebook groups. <laughs> but it's just, you know, you see, you hear like those aunties and those elders in the communities um, talking about, oh, yeah, you need to like put this. I don't know. Oh, You know what? Let me give me give an example. So COVID-19, very, very um, popular. <laughs> Maybe not popular, uh, very, very, uh, what's the word? Why am I losing my mind? Persistent? No, not persistent. COVID-19 is the topic we're talking about, okay, basically. and Hot topic. Okay, okay, hot topic, there we go. And one of my friends, um, we had like, so I've mentioned before how my friends and I, we have like a weekly catch-up call to kind of make sure we're still talking to each other. And one of the That's things, so cute. <laughs> one of the things that we met, uh, she said, was her mom got a message on um, WhatsApp about how to cure coronavirus if you have it. And this is how you do it, Sarah. This is how you do it. 
So you take four cups of hot water, separate cups, and then you put four slices of lemon in each one of those cups. And that um, in those cups, you have very, very hot water, so steaming water. And what you do is you <laughs> inhale the steam from those four cups four times during the day. Now, I don't want to make fun of this because there is obviously some help with steaming um, in terms of like opening up your nasal cavities uh, when you have like congestion or something, right? But the lemon's not going to do anything. And why are we doing four cups four times during the day? And it's not going to cure coronavirus. It's not going to, like you're not going to magically be cured from coronavirus if you, you know, steam your nose. You're going to have some, um, you might have some better symptom management but you know and then I've also seen like you know using lavender essential oils to treat against genetic disorders <laughs> sorry I can't are you for real yeah yeah it's all like again I, I'm I'm on social media way too much you see it in like Facebook groups and so uh, like an alternative side on Twitter um talking about how lavender essential oil can be used for um uh what do you call it treating some genetic disorders like autism and stuff and just no like it's a great sleeping aid but let's not be ridiculous here but yeah so okay that kind of went on a tangent but anyway <laughs> so I think I mean what I see a lot in like our kind of age group is the whole like herbal teas which I thought was quite interesting because I think it's another way to kind of use alternative medicines it, like across the generations because like the older generation seems to be really into the essential oils but then um younger than that i'd say like millennial kind of age it seems to be herbal mm -hmm. teas and you've got some examples for that as well <laughs> i mean the only one that comes to mind is herbalife and that's <laughs> I mean, the <laughs> the main reason that people make fun of that is because of an MLM. Like, I was actually playing as a Karen on Among Us once. And um, <laughs> there was one... Uh, when I was playing with random people, there was one person who was like, are you selling me Herbalife, Karen? And we went on a whole discussion about me trying to sell them Herbalife. Obviously, I wasn't doing it in, like, actuality. I was, like, basically this cosplaying. This Among Us, guys. Yeah, this, this is... is <laughs> I was, like, cosplaying <laughs> as a Karen. But, uh, yeah, that's... It's it's funny but yeah so the, okay so the thing is with these like herbal teas and essential oils you can get them quite easily right like you can go to holland and barrett mm. and get them but the and then you can take them really easily as well but i think the problem yeah. comes from the fact that they're not regulated properly like i know in america yeah. the fda doesn't regulate them i don't know what it is here actually um but i can imagine that it's not regulated properly and a lot of these teas can actually um be quite harmful like a lot of them are um they get your bowels moving for example that can lead to dehydration that type of stuff and so excessive use or using it when you're on some type of medication or something it might not have the positive impact you thought it would have so i think that's mm -hmm. really where my issue lies basically my issue is that when it's not regulated when it hasn't been researched properly in randomized control studies with um unbiased scientists um then you can't really say that it's going to be a safe treatment or that it's going to treat something mm -hmm. or help with something i think that's where my issue boils down to so i know yeah. i'm making fun of a lot of people here yeah i'm sorry about that <laughs> like i don't i i genuinely like sympathize with a lot of people who go to alternative therapies right because obviously 
you're looking for something to help you or your child or etc and et your symptoms and, and your yeah, symptoms yeah. etc but um i just do think it can be a little bit dangerous no definitely because especially if you're taking other types of medicine as well as you said mim mm-hmm. um you don't know how it's going to cross react with what you're taking you take it excessively um or you know yeah and i think to bounce off that a little bit just if you are considering taking any of these medicate um uh, any of these herbal teas or anything it might be good to have a conversation with your doctor because if you oh definitely yeah if you're mm. already taking a pre-existing medication um the doctor will be able to let you know if that will um interact in any way yeah. and how it might impact you etc cetera, etc cetera. Especially if you're going in for surgery and you're going to be under anesthetic and they're going to give you all sorts of um, medication to help, you know, help with your recovery or help you during the surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to let them know. Yeah. Because otherwise it could end result in reactions that aren't so pleasant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, we have to be cautious. But on the topic of like regulation here in the UK, mm-hmm. there's actually, you know, the two that we mentioned towards the beginning, the chiropractic and the osteopathy, there are actual councils here in the UK mm-hmm. that regulate these this um practice or profession and you have to be licensed to be able to practice it in the uk especially for chiropractic so there's the the general chiropractic council and then there's the general osteopathic council Mm. um which is interesting because i didn't know these existed Mm. it's a good thing though because i mean if it's Mm going to be used in an uh, uh, like in combination with conventional medicine then it needs to be regulated right um yeah so yeah it does definitely yeah um so yeah they're governed by by uk law and everything and then in terms of in terms of herbal medicine um those produced and marketed here in the uk um they have to go through licensing and then they have to be like they have to have read be registered with the traditional help herbal registration or marketing authorization and then basically all these governing bodies um advice the uh, mhra and they all in conjunction come together on you know how safe these um herbal medicines can be Um, but of course if you're going to get something from outside the country a herb from some from somewhere unknown (laughs) uh, i i advise caution because you don't know it could be contaminated it could you know all sorts yeah and actually just a good point for coming from what sarah just said um a lot of bodies and regulatory councils come together to make a recommendation. So, you know, we have they haven't just looked at the research and decided, okay, X, Y, Z is safe and, you know, we're just going to advise the NHS this. No, it's like vetted out. It's vetted by so many researchers, so many clinicians as well. And it's not just doctors who are vetting them out. It's the researchers themselves. It's people who are in epidemiology, Um and that goes for anything that goes with vaccinations as well we actually talked about that in our vaccination episode with dr grace roberts in our last season if you want to know more about that go ahead and you'll find out why essential oils don't work for that but yeah (laughs) so um okay you know what first of all let me say why herbal medicine might not be the best um not necessarily the best option but why you should be a little bit more cautious about it um Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go into the science specifically or anything, but just um, 
it's kind of important to note that obviously with herbal medication um they can the actual compounds in the essential oils or in the herbs can interact with different receptors in your body and the receptors might exist in different um organs or something like that so it'll have like a multi-systemic effect um and it's also important to know that herbs, they don't just have one compound in them, right? They have different types of compounds. So you might want to take a herb for this one specific compound that will uh, that you think will have this one specific effect. But there are other compounds in there that may impact um, other systems or produce other symptoms. And that's why generally um, it's probably better to take a conventional medicine route because with medication, as much as possible, it's only one compound that's in the drug. Usually, usually it's one active compound. That's what your body is using for um, symptom management or disease management. And yeah, I thought I'd just get that out of the way. And these are controlled, so very specific measurements um, and tested and trialed over and over again, whereas, you know, these essential oils or herbal medicines is a bit, especially with the tea, it's very difficult to understand what the concentration is, how much you're using. um, And yeah, it it can easily get out of control. Mm -hmm. All right, let's go into chamomile tea because I think that's something a bit more palatable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, so yeah. you go ahead, go on. Oh no, I was just going to ask, have you tried chamomile tea before? Yes, I have. And what did you think? It tastes nice with a bit of honey. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I have taken herbal chamomile tea when in like a, when t- to enter like a zen mood. Um, but not, I haven't sat down and thought, okay, um, I'm going to drink this chamomile tea and I'll see how I feel later. If I feel less stressed, mm-hmm. more stressed. Um, I haven't really observed its effects on me, but that's generally the whole point that you take chamomile tea is to, I don't know. I think it has a lot of uses and a lot of active, uh, mm-hmm. components in it actually. And it's been used for so many years, um, in terms of medicine. Uh, what about yourself? Have you, have you drunk in- no have you not i haven't haven't. really no i haven't wow when i tell you i don't drink tea and i don't drink coffee i really like the only tea that i drink um and that's very very occasionally is green tea that's that's it um okay interesting guys i say i don't drink caffeine (laughs) (laughs) you i say i don't drink caffeine but i recently found out that pepsi max the little can (laughs) has like 40 milligrams of caffeine in it and i was like what like that that's not a lot like a coffee would probably have about 200 in a cup Mm -hmm. but it's equivalent to a tea yeah it's equivalent to a tea and i did not know that so just a random little tidbit for you wait do Um, you not drink teas because of the caffeine no, I just don't like them. Well, you just don't like it, okay. That's, like, that's I mean, interesting. yeah, like Asian tea or chai, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I don't drink that because I don't like the taste. I don't like black tea. Um, I like green tea with like, you know, the flavored ones, like with lemon and mango peppermint. and Peppermint. I've had, okay, I've actually had peppermint <laughs> tea. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I've had peppermint tea. We because, found the one, guys. Yes. This is, this is um quite stupid and let me tell you why so in foundation year so this was my first ever year of university I was 18 years old obviously oh that's not obvious but I was 18 years old um and I believe I was doing this was during my exam period 
And during my exam period, I don't know what happened to me. I constantly talk about how much I love my foundation year because I had my life put together. Like I was working out, I was sleeping, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but during exam time, th different things happen. I was literally a walking zombie and I did not... <laughs> No, this is so sad because I know two people who are going to listen to this and completely relate. So my first exam was a maths exam and I suck at maths. And this was like um, the foundation year level maths was similar to like A level, I'd say. So your year 13 kind of um, level. And I sucked at it. I did not pay attention in my lectures. And I had to spend the entire night before studying because I could not study for it. I could not get myself to study for that exam. So I spent my entire night cramming for it. And I thought, you know what's going to help me stay awake? Peppermint tea. Peppermint tea. <laughs> <laughs> because I, could, <laughs> I couldn't tea. take, I couldn't handle coffee because coffee, um, I've had it before, like at that point, I've tried it before and it makes me shake and it makes me incredibly, incredibly anxious. I know oh, um, okay. coffee can make people uh, give people uh, increase people's anxiety. So I thought peppermint tea, that's what's going to keep me awake because surely peppermint tea has caffeine and it's obviously got a bit of a zingy taste because it's mint. Um, and that's I was drinking. I probably drank like five cups of that during the night and then one cup before the exam. I did not sleep at all before this exam. I slept after the exam. Um, and don't do that. No, I was just going to say, <laughs> this is not advice, guys. This is not advice. I'm <laughs> study like- Study well and advance. Study well in advance, please. And don't, uh -huh. yeah. And then I don't know what came over me, but I got into more nutrition and whatever as uh, time went on. And I realized peppermint tea actually does not have caffeine in it. It's probably a placebo effect, you know? You probably thought it was Maybe. making you stay awake. So you stayed awake. <laughs> like, how mental is that? I was thinking, yeah, peppermint tea's got caffeine and it's less caffeine than coffee. So it won't make me as, like, anxious. So I'll be fine. I'll stay up for the exam. I'll do well, etc., etc. And then I find out that, first of all, I did not do well in that exam. So definitely don't take this advice. And secondly... Peppermint tea has no caffeine. So what was the point? Again, placebo effect. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Psychological influence of you thinking you're going to stay awake. You think it's going to help you and then it does. <laughs> oh, wow. Man, the brain can do incredible things. Like Isn't the placebo it? effect. Oh, man. <laughs> but okay. So chamomile tea, I guess, is supposed to be like the opposite. And it? it's supposed to be like quite relaxing, quite. Mm. It I has a lot really of. It has a lot of uses, like there's so many different active ingredients. It's not just limited to um, relaxation. Mm -hmm. um, it's meant to help with some some like stomach symptoms, gastric yeah. situations. Um, but I don't, I don't really know much about that. I, anything about it really, mm. just that it does help um okay, yeah that's good that's the thing isn't it like you can't um i guess put all these essential oils and herbal teas in one category right? category because, exactly yeah. it's a plant it has so many different active components in it yeah <laughs> you and know in even in terms of like the yeah in terms of the science as well like some compounds have been tested more than other ones some teas have been mm -hmm. tested more than other ones so um yeah just can't put it in one category so that's why it's good to you know do your own research um find out how backed something actually is but yeah 
So absolutely. Yeah. Um, let's go into a different herb, and I think this one's okay. quite a popular one. Um, yeah. Saint John's Wort. Yeah. Lovely, lovely name, isn't it? <laughs> Why is it called that? I don't. I really don't know. It's interesting. An interesting name. Mm. It's like a yellowish plant. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's from the flowering plant hyper hyperisum perforatum. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it can be traced all the way back to ancient Greece. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I was reading. So obviously, again, it's a plant. It has many different active components, but then it's used currently for treating depression. Mm-hmm. Um, to help so this is antidepressant and so basically it prevents it inhibits the reabsorption or the reuptake of serotonin dopamine and a whole bunch of other chemicals and and thus helping to manage the symptoms of depression um so yeah what were you gonna say i mean the biology mm-hmm. the psychology the neuroscience of depression is it's so complex. complex oh my god um You've actually probably listened to an episode that we did before this one about mental health and depression and stuff. And what we touched in that episode is literally the bare basics of um, the whole topic. But yeah. So yeah, that's quite interesting. And does it have like, does it kind of interact with other medications or anything like that? Yes, it does. (laughs) so many medications um in fact you can find there's like a, a tab on the government website talking about st john's warts a wart mm-hmm. plant which i will link in the references on the website anyways um yeah so it can react with so many other medications like other antidepressants if you're taking them sleeping pills hormonal contraceptives it makes them less effective oh, um wow. immunosuppressants um anticoagulants um I think the list does go on. So if you need to consult your doctor, end of, full stop. Can it be, can you get it without a prescription? Because surely if it has that many interactions and it's used for depression, then you have to get it with the prescription, right? Because I can't imagine that they just sell it in Holland and Barrett. I don't know why I keep referencing. I can't. I don't know why I yeah, keep that's, referencing that's Holland the, Barrett. That's the herbal herbal medicine, Holland and Barrett. That's in your my head too. <laughs> <laughs> Even though, to be honest, I do like Holland and Barrett. So. Oh, I do too. Um, yes, you can buy it from Holland and Barrett. What? <laughs> no. Yes, you can get the capsules. I'm in shock. I am actually shocked. No way you can no sorry i'm so shocked you can get it just like off the counter because you can't get anything like any other antidepressants off the counter can you oh my god over the counter sorry apparently you can get it at boots no surely okay wait no i i need uh i'm shocked on the um mind for better health website the mind.org.uk.uk um says that it's only really is mainly used as an over-the-counter remedy to treat mild and moderate depression. Sometimes the sad disorder, mild anxiety, and some sleeping problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. 
Okay, but regardless, um, I think the bottom line, and we've said it multiple times in this episode, is make sure that you have a conversation with your GP about this. And if you do have any medical procedures that you need to go through, com- communicate what you're taking with your um with your uh, physician or whoever, because you might think it's benign, but clearly you can get St. John's wort over the counter, assuming that it would be benign, but it's not because it can have so many, um, it can impede on so many things. So I think Mm -hmm. that's a very strong bottom line. I'm so shocked that you can get it over the counter. I'm so shocked. Um, no actually it probably at the back of the label it will say it reacts with all sorts of medication and the side effects so it's very important to read that as well yeah um so all yeah, the portion yeah, yeah, all the, you know the long leaflet inside it probably you should go through that actually read yeah. it so let's just summarize the episode a little bit so we've talked about uh you know osteopathic medicine a little bit we talked about chiropractic practices and how they are actually quite tightly regulated Mm -hmm. in the UK how that can be used for lower back pain and that's or back pain in general and that's actually quite something quite interesting um, for me because I didn't realize how regulated it was we talked a little Mm -hmm. bit about herbal medicines and essential oils and the infinite number of stories that I've heard (laughs) when it comes to claims with them but with when it comes to essential oils and herbal med- uh, herbal teas, make sure to um, talk to your GP, do your research, talk to an expert, honestly, if you can. Um, make sure that you acknowledge that it might interact with other medications or it does have other active compounds that may give you other side effects. Um, mm-hmm. And no, rubbing a bit of essential oil on your pulse points is not the same as taking a vaccination. Please, if you know please just don't say that (laughs) but yeah so this is where we're going to wrap up for today thank you so much for listening guys i hope you enjoyed this we had more of a conversation than an actual Mm -hmm. research episode which was interesting and um so yeah thank you so much for listening stay safe because we are currently we are recording this during lockdown 3.0 and (laughs) As per usual, all the references will be linked in the show notes. Don't forget to send in your ideas and suggestions. We'd love to hear from you guys and just let us know what you want us to talk about here on The Growth Medium. Um, You can send in your suggestions on our website, which you can find uh, in the description of this episode. Um, Yeah, and you can follow us on Instagram at The Growth Medium, where you can find all sorts of infographics that you can share with friends and family. Yeah, make sure to follow us on The Growth Medium. Um, we're still far far away from our goals (laughs) in terms of the Instagram but make sure you rate and review this episode as well make sure to follow us on Instagram have a conversation with us we really would like to know uh, what you think what your suggestions are because we're always trying to improve you know growth mindset and all that we always get so excited when we hear from from one of our audiences Mim have you seen this and this is commented on our picture we get too excited yeah, it's ridiculous yeah, literally <laughs> so we definitely we love have an entire s- we have like an entire slack channel that's dedicated to me just getting excited about when anything happens on the instagram so but yeah uh and i think that's where we're gonna leave it off uh this week mm-hmm. so until next week all right see you guys then bye bye